0: In our youth, we find people and things that make us happy, special ones that give us the kind of happiness that we have been promised in movies and songs and stories. Unfortunately, part of growing up is learning that those people and those things and our futures are not always compatible. Sometimes we are forced to choose. Episode 3, This is the Past.
1: School days were long and grueling until my schedule finally graced me with fifth period English class. Finally, a class in which my time was not wasted. I could be content among my poets and my playwrights. It was so much better than numbers and figures, and facts. Understanding my love for English class, it may be easier to understand why I felt so desperately betrayed when my teacher shared with us the poem Fire and Ice by Robert Frost. Harper and I had a tradition of meeting in the small wooden gazebo situated behind the school after the last class. When I found her there, she was writing in a notebook. Her pen was green. Green was for science. She looked up as I was stepping into the gazebo. Hi there. She said.
0: How was your day?
1: I couldn't help but sigh. English class was such a disappointment. Mrs. Mitchell wouldn't stop talking about Fire and Ice by Robert Frost, and I couldn't stand it. Harper smiled slightly. She asked to hear the poem. It had been repeated so many times during class that I was able to recite the poem from memory. After I had finished, she sat there quietly for a moment.
0: Don't get mad, okay? What? I actually like it a lot.
1: It was unbelievable. I had been dating this girl for almost a year. I had already shared nearly every poem I have heard with her. She had never liked them, not a single one. A small laugh escaped me. Harper, you don't like poetry, I said. She shrugged.
0: I know, but I mean, I don't know. This one actually makes sense.
1: I couldn't help throwing my hands in the air, I said. How can it make sense? The poem has no weight to it, it, has no depth. There's no length to give it understanding to the reader, no explanation of what one is to do with this knowledge. All it tells you that is fire that could kill the world. And maybe ice could too. But what are these metaphors? Are they references to some mythological apocalypse? Are they references to human mortality? And the ending, what does the ending even mean? Ice is great for destruction and will suffice. We eat ice. People slip and fall on ice. Ice storms are bad. Ice cream is good. None of this is great and destructive and worth writing a poem about a great mind like Robert Frost, and we waste our time with this blip of a poem that has nothing but a brief moment of possible wisdom left up for interpretation.
0: But it's so simple. Maybe it means whatever you need it to mean.
1: (sighs) I cannot believe it. I had shown this girl poem after poem all the most meaningful and glorious pieces of poetry that I knew. And she likes this short, ambiguous,
0: Plus, it rhymes. What? It rhymes,
1: she repeated. Rhyming is for Dr. Seuss books, I said. I was only half joking. Sure, there was plenty of good rhyming poems, but the best ones usually didn't rhyme. It was, it was just kind of a fact. I allowed the discussion to descend into a playful banner. I was used to disagreeing with Harper about poetry. I don't mind. I was the one with the appreciation for wisdom and grandeur and symbolism she was the one who liked the simple concise and concrete I did not expect her to understand my thoughts of these sorts of matters we stayed in the gazebo for about an hour moving from poetry to history to mathematics and back to poetry as we walked to my car I told her of my latest light bulb moment I was going to compile my poems into a book I'd begun with writing poetry shortly before we had started dating, and when I had written enough to produce a decent-sized collection, I would try my luck with the publishing greats. I almost asked her if she'd come with me someday, but I didn't. Something told me that Harper wouldn't understand, that the dream would be more glorious, carried out in solitude. Since Harper didn't drive, I always took her home from school. We would listen to music, Her choice, of course, out of any of my CDs. Then I would sing along as we drove away from the school and from the things that wouldn't ever really matter. We disagreed on what those things were. I thought math wouldn't matter. She thought poems wouldn't matter. So she held on to her facts and her formulas as she sang softly in my passenger seat, her fingers intertwined on her lap, and I dreamt of poems and words as I sang as loud as I could. One hand on the wheel and one hand out the window. Always one hand out the window, no matter the temperature. I always had to keep a blanket in the car for Harper. She got cold, even in April and September. She used to tell me I had a fire burning inside me and that's why I was never cold. I always told her the words kept the fire burning. Her response was always to hold the blanket around her a little tighter, never a vocal response. I always assumed the cold she felt came from her love for facts and figures. On the way home though, I wondered if maybe fire and ice could give her some warmth. Maybe she'd found the words to kindle her own fire. Maybe all poems could have a glorious purpose.
0: Clayton often remembered his first love at random points throughout his new life. He would never forget the brown-eyed girl from his sophomore year English class who was the only thing that could distract him from the poetry they were studying. Harper allowed him to share pieces of himself with her before he learned how to share them with the rest of the world. He supposed his true first love had been the sky. Then he loved words and rhymes. Then he fell in love with a girl. Harper had held the attention of his passions longer than any of his other youthful distractions. Yet the sad consequence of this was that she was a distraction from the words that drew him so forcefully to some unknown future. And so, when the time came, he burned the bridge and watched her tears attempt to put out the flames. But the flames did not die. Instead, he followed the light of the fire down a path that led him to a life of poetry and passion, and he would not trade it.